0: Hi, and welcome to the weekly sermon podcast of Bethlehem Church. We are located in Austin, Minnesota, and I'm Pastor Paul Steele. We are in a sermon series entitled Living by Faith as we look at the book of James. Now, James is a letter found in the New Testament, and it's written by James, who is the half brother of Jesus. And he's writing to Jewish Christians who are scattered throughout the Roman Empire. He's sharing his wisdom with them so that they can have the knowledge they need to live a life of faith within the culture that they find themselves in. Now, we are in a very similar situation. We're asking ourselves, how do we live a life of faith? How do we follow Jesus in the culture that we live in, in the politics that that?" we have with the money and the luxuries that we get to enjoy within the multicultural and multi-religious realities that are expressed in our society, in our culture. And our hope is that as we go through this book, the wisdom that James shared with these Jewish Christians 2000 years ago, will help give us guidance on how we live a life of faith today. Now, let's get into the sermon. Hi, and welcome to Bethlehem's weekly sermon. I'm Pastor Paul Steele. I'm the lead pastor at Bethlehem Church in Austin, Minnesota. And today we are starting a brand new sermon series through the book of James, entitled... Living by faith. We want to know right, how we can live as followers of Jesus in the culture that we live in. What does that look like? And our hope, our desire is that this book, actually it's a letter written by James, will give us some practical wisdom that we can apply to our lives that will give us insight into to what it means to be a follower of Jesus today. It's so important for us to know the right way to go. To know the right way to go. I know the first time I came here to Austin, Jenny and I had just started dating. We'd really only met one time before at the Iowa State Fair. And, and so I was coming here to Austin. It was the end of August. And I had to, to print out directions, not only to Austin, but to her parents' house. That's where that's where we went, that's where I went first, from MapQuest. And I remember as I'm I'm driving you know I don't know I know approximately you know, how long it should be but I had just gotten a new phone. It wasn't quite a smartphone. It wasn't quite a dumb phone. It was somewhere in between. It had a little bit of a data plan. And because I just got it, I had like a month's worth of data on it. And it had some navigation. And so I remember I, I did put some of that in just so I could see how much further, how much longer is it going to take me. Because I wanted not only to get to the right place, but I wanted to get there on time. I, I was anxious to see her. I, it would have been awful to 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 get to Albert Lee or to go to Oatana. or I wanted to get to the right place. I wanted to get to the right place in town. You know, I didn't want to get to the southwest. I didn't want to get to the, the northwest. I I wanted to get to her parents' house. I wanted to get to the right place. Now Over the next few months, as we dated, we were able to find alternate routes that would get there, that uh, that would get us between Austin and Storm Lake. And I know the very next time that Jenny came down to see me uh, with her GPS, she was able to find a little faster way to go. But it's important to know the right way to go. Where are you heading? And how do you get there? Now, I think the same is kind of true as we follow Jesus. See, a lot has changed in the last 2,000 years. Since the church began. Since the scripture was was collected and, and compiled and put together. So how do we live? How do we live as disciples today? How do we follow Jesus? today, you know, in the freedom that we experience, with all the luxury and money that we have, in this multicultural, multi-religious reality, society that we live in? How do we live in this age of social media? What does that look like for the follower of Jesus? How do we live as followers of Jesus in the United States of America, in Austin, Minnesota, in the year 2022. Like, how do we do that? The wisdom discovered in James, even though it's old, will help us, give us some practical insight, some practical wisdom, in how we are to follow Jesus in the the society and the culture that we find ourselves in. So let's take a look here, and we're just going to take a look at the very first verse of James, James chapter 1, verse 1. This letter is from James, a slave of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm writing to the 12 tribes, Jewish believers scattered abroad, greetings. So as we look at this verse, three questions, at least three questions, should come to mind. The first is, who is James? Well, most likely, we're not entirely for sure, but tradition has held, held to, and there's no re- good reason to reject this idea, that the person who wrote James is the half-brother of Jesus. Now, James the apostle, who was the brother of John, was already killed. And so, so what has happened Is that James has become the leader of the church in Jerusalem? Now it's important to remember that originally James, like his brothers, did not believe in Jesus. In John chapter seven verse five, it says that 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 his brothers did not believe in him. And so, what happened? Well, what happened is what we talked about last week with Easter was the resurrection. Paul in 1 Corinthians 15 tells us that Jesus appeared to James. And after this appearance, after James was able to see his brother resurrected from the dead, he became a follower of Jesus. He became a follower of Jesus. And so as all the other, as the, other apostles and disciples start their missionary trips out of Jerusalem, James stays there to lead the church, to lead this group of believers. So he becomes a very important figure within the early church. And, and so, and so that's, that's most likely who ended up writing this book we call James. It's a, it's a letter. And, and we also see here uh, something very interesting. He says, and so this is the second question, is what does it mean for Jesus to be Lord? Because James doesn't describe himself as, hey, I'm the brother of Jesus. He says, no, I am the slave of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. So what does that mean? Well, one of the things is, re- remember, is that James is addressing a Jewish audience. And and he he wants them to understand that by following Jesus doesn't mean that his faith in God and Yahweh God is any less, that you can do both. In fact, this word Lord, what does it mean for Jesus to be Lord? Well, it means it's identifying Jesus, Lord with Yahweh God. Lord is is and so when you read the Old Testament, you'll see the word Lord and uh, oftentimes in in all capitals. And that is th- that that is referring to Yahweh God. So James is identifying Jesus as Lord, as Christ as the long awaited Messiah the chosen king that God had promised Israel to come and, and rescue Israel, establish God's kingdom here on earth. That's who Jesus is. That's who James is saying, I am a servant of. I'm a servant of God. I'm a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so why does James think that Jesus is Lord? Why does James think that Jesus is this long-awaited king. Well, it's because of the resurrection. Remember, last week we talked about um, uh, the Messiah, that a dead Messiah is no Messiah. And so for James to say, this is who Jesus is, this guy I grew up with, he he is Lord, he is king, it's because of the resurrection. And he says, "I'm going to dedicate my life to him." If this is also a very political statement, and the Roman Empire, who is Lord, who is king? Caesar is. And so for people like James to declare that Jesus is the Lord, that Jesus is this king, he is saying, "There's no king but Christ." He is the true king. So it's also a political statement against those who want to elevate Caesar to this deity status. No, it is Jesus. It's Jesus who deserves our worship and our honor. And the third question we have is, who are the 12 tribes? So who is receiving this letter? So remember that that because of their disobedience, because they have broken the covenant, God dispersed Israel into the nations. They were sent into exile. Now, some of those people had returned home, but a great many re- stayed out in exile. And they were known as the Diaspora, that they were dispersed across the empire, they were scattered. And the same had started with the, the church, or the church uh, that, that there were a great number of Jews who came to Jerusalem to celebrate Passover and Pentecost, and they became Christians, right? And, but then they returned, they, they scattered. And so the message of Jesus was being brought into all these places in the empire, And so most likely, James is, as the leader at the Church of Jerusalem, is addressing these Jewish Christians scattered among the nation, among the empire. But there's probably another hope that James has, that as this letter is read, as this letter is passed around, that the Jews who haven't heard about Jesus would be able to read it and see that there is wisdom in following Jesus. That in fact, by following Jesus, they are actually living by faith or living in faith in the God who has chosen them, right? That they are they are truly serving and following the God of Jacob. So that's who he is writing to. He's writing to in hopes that these Jewish Christians will learn from his wisdom and what it practically means to follow Jesus in their context. Because there's not a whole lot of theological discussion within this letter. It's not like one of Paul's letters that has some deep theology in it. This is really about what does it look like to live a life of faith. And what we find here too is that James is really influenced, is influenced by by two things. He's influenced by the book of Proverbs. Most likely, James, being a good Jewish boy, would have grown up learning the Proverbs, being influenced by the Proverbs, right? Because these are memorable little sayings that helped guide people's actions and how they were to live. And we find that that type of style of writing in the book of in this letter, James is writing these these memorable uh, passages and these easily memorized one-liners to help people in their faith and how they are to live. The other thing that it seems that James was influenced by was Jesus and his te- teaching especially the Sermon on the Mount. There's a lot of echoes we find in James back to what Jesus taught in the Sermon on the Mount. So apparently, James is influenced by Jesus. Even though he wasn't following Jesus at the time, he was influenced by what Jesus taught and how Jesus lived. So as we... So in essence, essence, James is writing to answer this question. How should a disciple of Jesus live? How should a disciple of Jesus live? And the answer that we discover is disciples of Jesus live each day by faith. Disciples of Jesus live each day by faith. That's what we are to learn. That's what the big takeaway of this book is that disciples of Jesus live by faith each day. Now, there's a lot of unpacking that goes into this. What does that look like? Well, that's what we're going to spend the next several weeks on doing, unpacking the wisdom, the teaching that James offers in this book so we can understand what it looks like to live by faith each and every day. And to start this process, we're going to take a look at an event found in the book of Mark that probably influenced James on his journey of faith. While he's not named in this event, he was there. And and I'm guessing that there was some sort of influence that this had on him. So, we're going to take a look at Mark chapter three, Mark chap chapter three. And uh, we're going to take a look at verse 21, and then we're going to jump down to verse 31 through 35. So Mark chapter three, verse 21. When his family heard what was happening, they tried to take him away. He's out of his mind, they said. So here, just to set up what's happening. Jesus is teaching, and and he's so busy, he's not even having time to eat. His disciples get worried, his family hears about it, and that's what they He's going crazy. He's out of his mind. And so they decide, it's time to come and get him. Bring him home. Like, it set him straight. Verse 31. Then Jesus' mother and brothers come to see him. They stood outside and sent word for him to come out and talk to them. There was a crowd sitting around Jesus and someone said, your mother and your brothers are outside asking for you. Jesus replied, who is my mother? Who are my brothers? Then he looked at those around him and said, look, these are my mother and brothers. Anyone who does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. So here we see, Jesus's brothers don't believe in him. Even his mother Mary, who received the message from the angel, who understood at some level that Jesus is, is special, is different. Right? She already, you know, if we're following the timeline correctly, you know, she's already had Jesus or encouraged Jesus to turn the water into wine. So she understands that Jesus is set apart for some purpose, that he's at least this prophet of God. But she's struggling with this. Like, hey, Jesus, you need to come home. What, what's going on? And they send word to Jesus. They can't get next to him, so they send a message to him. It appears like there's a couple messages been sent back and forth. And finally, someone says, hey, Jesus... Your your family is here. Because that's a big deal, right? That's a big deal in in a Jewish culture. Like you're to honor your father and mother. You are to honor your family. That's what you're supposed to do. But Jesus said, hey, who are my father, my mother and my brothers? Who is my true family? He looks around the crowd. Hey, you are my true family. Those who, those who do God's will. That's who my family is. That's who I'm connected with. Those who do God's will. We're cannot follow Jesus without doing God's will. And we can't do God's will if we don't know what God's will is. In a very similar passage, or a similar situation in in the book of Luke, Luke chapter 11, verse 28, we read this. Jesus replied, but even more blessed are all who hear the word of God and put it into practice. So this life of faith, Is hearing the word of God and putting it into practice. It's not just this mental agreement that we have that, yeah, Jesus is God. Jesus is our Savior. Jesus, by his life and his death and his resurrection, he has saved us from our sins. He has given us eternal life. He has given us this hope of new creation and resurrection. It's not just agreeing to that reality, but it's hearing the truth. It's understanding what God's will is for our lives. And it's going about and doing it. And at the time, I'm sure James is thinking, man, Jesus, you are crazy You are crazy. But after the resurrection, James began to put these pieces together. What he had heard Jesus say, how he saw Jesus live. He's like, yeah. I just wrote him off because he was my brother, because I knew him so well. I didn't believe in him, but now I do. And I know what he is asking me to do. And I know what he is asking the world to do is to know God's will and to live God's will. And this becomes the foundation of what James writes about in this letter. This letter he sends out to Christians who are struggling to live in a world, and a culture that denied God, that was multicultural, that was multi-religious, that was unethical, like this is how you are to live. And so there's a lot of that that can apply to us and to our situation today. People who belong to Jesus know and do his will. People who belong to Jesus Know and do his will. So our challenge, right, is to translate that from a Jewish context from 2,000 years ago to a modern American context. And to do that means we need wisdom. That's what we need. We need wisdom. And like, how does this apply to what we're going through? What does that look like for us? Have you ever had that moment in your life when you're like what I'm doing isn't working out? Like you just had this realization that if I keep doing this, it's not going to change anything. You know, so we've been trying to cook with cast iron. And it's been frustrating, right? Because here you're, you know, you're supposed to be able to to have this kind of easy cleanup with it it's supposed to be you know kind of not quite nonstick but but we've just like every time we've cooked in it like all this stuff sticks and it's like we can't get it seasoned right and finally a, a couple of weeks ago Jenny watched this video she on YouTube she she searched for how do you cook eggs in cast iron? And there we watched a couple of different videos of this woman talking teaching us on how to do this. And since then it's like, oh, this is what you're supposed to do. This is how you're supposed to use this. And and we've really started to enjoy using the cast iron for cooking. Maybe you've you've had your financial problems like you just can't can't seem to get things right. And you know, man, I cannot keep doing this. And so then you've listened to Dave Ramsey or somebody similar, and you're like, oh, this is what I need to do. This is how I should use my money. This is what this looks like. Maybe you've had some relational problems. You're like, why can't I keep friendships? Why can't I have this, this, this romantic relationship? Why does all my relationships seem to end in failure? And then you go to a counselor and they help you see some things, to work on some things. Like, oh, that made all the difference. You need somebody to come alongside of you and help you, to show you this is what you need to do. That's what we need. We need people like James in our lives that will give us wisdom, that will give us truth to help us navigate this life. But even more than that, we need to follow James and say, I am a servant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. That I am going to follow Jesus. Jesus is my king. And I believe, I trust that Jesus knows the way. And so we're going to follow him. We're going to do what he says. We're going to search out what is it that Jesus has taught? How does Jesus want us to live? And we're going to do it, right? Those who belong to God. Those who follow Jesus, hear God's word and put it into practice. That is what we hope to do. That's what we're seeking to do. That's why we're in this book of James. So here's the bottom line. A faithful life is lived by doing the will of Jesus. A faithful life is lived by doing the will of Jesus. How should we live? How should we live a faithful life? Well, we do what Jesus has taught us to do. We trust him. We obey him. And I know that sounds easy, right? Love God, love people. It sounds like it's an easy thing to do. But when real life hits us, we don't always know. It's not always the easiest thing to connect the dots. So our hope, is what James wrote to these Jewish Christians scattered around the Roman Empire the wisdom that he was teaching them will help us find practical ways to live in the situations that we find ourselves in and the freedom that we enjoy in the in the luxury and the money that we get to enjoy and and our multi-ethical ethnic Ethnic and multi-religious communities in this age of social media. We hope that that wisdom will help us navigate all the things that we face on a daily basis. So here's our challenge. Our challenge is to read Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 10. This is what that says. So we have not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you. We ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. Then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord and your lives will produce every kind of good fruit and all the while you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. We need to ask God, right? If we need wisdom, if we need a knowledge of God's will, then we need to ask him for it. Paul says, this is my prayer for you. And so our prayer is, what we want to do is to remember this, that we need a knowledge of God's will, and we need spiritual wisdom and understanding. So we live these lives that honor Jesus. And so we're going to read that, and we're going to pray that. So that we can have the knowledge we need, the wisdom we need to live lives that are faithful to Jesus. And as we come to our time of prayer response, I want us to take a moment and thank God for the Bible. That we have a source of his word, of his will, right? So we thank you, thank God that we have this book for our lives to help guide us in how we are to live. We want to take a moment and surrender to Jesus as our King. Jesus is King. He's Lord. And so we're going to surrender to Him. We are His servants. He is our our Master. He's our generous, loving King. So we're going to surrender our lives to Jesus. And then we're going to ask God to guide us by the Holy Spirit. We need that guidance, right? We need that wisdom. And we can't just... Uh, fake it we can't you know we need God's help and understanding how to live a life of faith in our world today so let's just take a moment and silently pray for those three things asking God to guide us surrendering our lives to Jesus and thanking God for the Bible Proverbs 1.7 says, Fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. For us, the knowledge that we need, the wisdom we need, starts with surrendering our lives, our wills to Jesus, to our King. So the question I'm leaving you with this morning is this. Do you trust Jesus to be your king? Do you trust Jesus to be your king? Our Father in heaven, we thank you for the Bible. This book is the source of your wisdom. It helps us understand your will. And so we ask for your knowledge, for uh, for your help in understanding and applying this to our lives. Jesus, we surrender to you. You are our King. You are our Lord. And we want to obey you. We want to live lives that are aligned with your will. Teach us on how to do that. And Father, we ask that you would guide us by your Holy Spirit so that we can apply the knowledge, the wisdom we find in this book, in your word, to our lives so that we may be your people and bring honor and glory to you and to Jesus. And we pray all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for for watching. Thank you for listening. Thanks for following along. And just a reminder, if you're in the Austin, Minnesota area, you can join us at 630 on Wednesday nights for popcorn as we watch season two of The Chosen. And... And as always, you can join us on, uh, on Sunday mornings at 10.30 for our live stream and uh, in person or on Facebook and YouTube. So hope to see you there. Hope to, to get to know you. Thanks again for following along. God bless. Thanks for watching and listening to our sermon today. I hope that it was an encouragement to you as you follow Jesus. If you've benefited from our Sunday morning live stream, from our bottom bottom line videos, uh, or this sermon podcast, one of the best ways you can support us is simply to give. And you can do that by going to our website, BethlehemChurchAustin.com and following the Give tab. If you have a question, if you have a prayer request that you'd like other people to be praying about, don't hesitate to reach out to us. You can leave a comment, you can send us a a personal message, you can email us, but we would love to be in contact with you. We'd love to, to be praying for you. That's one of the benefits of being part of the worldwide global church is that we are in this together. So have a great rest of the week and God bless.